Welcome to Secret Lives of Expanders. This is where we get to meet and learn from those who have done things outside the box. The idea is to introduce you to entrepreneurs, creators, and healers that have done really wild things. And this episode was with one of my new friends, Andrew Donovan. He's an entrepreneur turned international teacher of conscious creation. His manifestation company is actually called In Conscious. His skills in building out multi-million dollar companies in, in his old life and uh, combined with his wisdom around designing and building out a magnificent life for yourself has been helping thousands of students authentically claim their masterpiece life. Andrew and I had a really raw conversation about love and his love journey and um, his authentic expression of it and how it's looked over the years and what it has to do with authentic self-expression and what it has to do with designing a life that you love. Uh, it was really juicy and it was really fun to do. We actually got personal. I probably shared some things that I haven't shared before in any podcast or on any platforms. Um, so I think you'll find it interesting. If you are in Elevate Club, this conversation will definitely resonate. One of the things that we touched on is something that I teach inside of the Elevate community about how sometimes unconscious and unworthy we show up in relationships um, and you know, fully expecting our partner to make us feel whole or um, fill a void. And uh, we have tons of lessons around this in the workshop in our Elevate community. And if you're not in the community, check out Elevate Club. I'm sure the link is in here somewhere, but it's www.elevate.me. And that is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. Um, also, always love connecting with you guys. Reach out to me on social media. I'm pretty active on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Would love to hear what you think about this episode. All right. Hello and welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. And I am so, so excited because I have found my entrepreneur turned manifestation quantum coach twin uh, on <laughs> Instagram. And he's here with me today. So I'm so excited for you guys to get to know, to meet and get to know Andrew Donovan, who is the founder of In Conscious. Um, I highly recommend at the very bare minimum, follow him on Instagram, sign up for his courses, all the things that he has to offer. But him and I have very similar backgrounds, as in we are very business-oriented entrepreneurs. Um, and then, you know, through the journey of life, have tapped into some really powerful things that I'm excited to talk to Andrew about. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm super excited. We're about to have a really juicy conversation. I literally could not wait. <laughs> I know I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks because we since we scheduled it and I thought, oh my gosh, what's going to come out here? <laughs> we don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> We're about to find out all of us together, me, you and the entire audience on podcasts, YouTube, everywhere. Well, we know we're talking about love. So so for all the listeners that are looking for how dialing in their their love vibe, tuning into the frequency of whatever kinds of love they're looking for in their lives right now. I mean, it's that conversation. So at least we know that part. 
Yeah, that, but also like times juicy though. Yes, yeah. <laughs> times juicy. <laughs> Math. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's start. Let's start with your love journey. How about you tell us about your love journey? Because where you are now is, I would assume, is not where you've always been. No, it is so different. Holy smokes. Well, my, uh, so I'm a former minister. I don't know if you know that, Nona. Yeah, like prior, former life. I was very, very religious. So my, my love story started with, with my pursuit to, create the kind of love life that matched what I was brought up in religious beliefs. And so, I mean, it was very structured, like, you know, all kinds of very specific rules. Like when I grew up, it was like, don't date until you're 16. Like kids at my high school had that had a birthday the day after prom wouldn't go to prom because they weren't 16 yet. (laughs) It's like, it was like that level of strictness. Yeah. And then, you know, marry a girl in the church but not just in any part, like there's like a whole bunch of structure to it. And so I was really dedicated to that. And, and I'll give you the middle, but I want to just like fast forward to the, to the end to make it, to, to, to make this really interesting. So fast forward, you know, a couple of decades later, and I'm in a polyamorous relationship. I've been married for 12 years and I live this very creative love life that I think is a lot of fun also very fulfilling, causes so much growth. And who I am today is definitely massively because of what I've gone through in terms of exploring love and relationships. So, yes. So Okay, that may have been too too much of a fast forward. (laughs) Wait a second. What happened? How did the conversation go? Which we'll get into. But first things I want to say is so true because you kind of, the construct of who you are and what your identity is, is so much from a young age about what other people tell you or how, how they interact with you. Like, you know, when you're little and people are like, you're so smart, you're so pretty, your teeth look like this or your nose. And so your identity, so much of your identity is how you relate to another person. And when you talk about intimate relationships or really important relationships in your life, they form so much of who you are. And they're such a big part of your growth process too. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and depending on what those beliefs are that you grow up with, I mean, it can really fuck with your head because like for me, I mean, I, I, I had girlfriends all through junior high and high school and in the beginning of college. And then when I was 20, Two, I started dating a guy for the first time, but there wasn't any part of me growing up that like wished I could like come out of the closet and tell my family that I liked guys because I was so focused on the paradigm of my environment. And Mm -hmm. so like, I mean, and I actually am attracted to girls, just it's more like 80, 20. (laughs) So, so the the 20% of me that is attracted to girls, that was like all that I would allow myself to acknowledge. And so um, but I remember though, like as an eight-year-old, I know this isn't a podcast episode about sexuality, but I think for context, it's a little bit relevant. But I remember I would like my mom's JC Penny catalogs would come in the mail and I'd like be like mesmerized by the men's underwear pages. <laughs> but, think, but I had some story in my head to explain why that was interesting to me, not just the fact that I thought it was attractive. Pause. What is the story? What would an eight-year-old who is like obviously gay, like... Uh-huh. Would, what would that eight-year-old tell himself to talk himself out of 
I, I told myself that that's what I wanted to look like. I remember like, even as a teenager, like I, I prayed to God and I told him like, if you, I told her, I thought, I thought God, back then I thought God was a white, a, a Caucasian man, <laughs> actually, <laughs> who lives on a planet really far away. But, but I, I remember I prayed to God as a teenager and said, if you'll help me look like these very attractive men, then I'll like have moral thoughts and only do moral actions. Like that was actually the, yeah, the experience that I went through. I mean, and so there was, there was so much shame involved mm. in the entire equation, like shame about the way that I like, you know, related to my own body and to other people and, and how I thought I was supposed to love and whom I was allowed to love. And then how we're supposed to express that. And I mean, cause it was just such a, like, there was like a 50 step plan that was yeah. laid out in front of me. And my only job was to follow every step of that plan. And then I'd be eternally happy. Well, isn't that, I mean, like when you talk about coming out of the closet or what you experience in an environment, in like a box practically that you're supposed to fit, that you do absolutely do not fit. That's such a great metaphor in how like I've experienced life and I know other people have experienced life where they were told it doesn't even have to be like, you have to be with a girl, but it's like, get married, go to college, do the thing, have children, like get a good job, like all the things that you should be doing that are quote unquote, the societal norms. And then all of a sudden you're checking off all the boxes. And in your case, you're like 20, you're like, wait a second, this is not it. Doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. No matter what. And I think that there's a lot of sickness that comes out of not following your truth. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're, you're not expressing love the way you want to express, whether it's in business, whether it's in your, in, in, you know, the the way you do life, any of those things. So going back to you, uh, by 20 some, you started to kind of explore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the story that I had in my head then, because I was going to a university run by my church. And so (laughs) I know. So the environment that I'm in and everybody's getting married at like 21 years old and having babies that same year, like they're oh, just, yeah. you know, and you're supposed to have nine kids and in, in every family kind of thing. And so I start, yeah, I start allowing myself to just explore my feelings. It started because I, I auditioned for the school of music and my pianist was a guy and he started texting me and was just being kind of flirty. And okay. I'd never experienced that before. And I liked it. And I was like, okay, I, I got just, I'll just go along with this and see what happens. And it turned into a relationship. And I never actually came out to my family. I just started bringing boys home to Sunday dinner and just let them figure it out. But the story that I had in my head then, and this was actually what I told myself, Nona, I said, my job is to help these guys that have like gone wayward and drifted away from God to find their way back to God because I was really close to God. And <laughs> that's how I let myself feel good about just exploring love the way that I wanted to explore it. (laughs) That is so good. That's like literally how people go through life telling themselves all kinds of BS, if I can call it that, to to convince yourself that the small life that you are living or the, or the fact that you're not expressing your true self is okay. I'm I'm not Mm -hmm. expressing my true self because X, Y, and Z that, that, you know, is just so wrong. Wow, that must have also I know we're laughing about it, but like it's hard. <laughs> oh, I had a day where I literally cried for 13 hours straight. Like I was just de- I remember I was like walking down the sidewalk at night just 
in tatters. And I remember like imaginarily holding the hands of an uncle who had passed away and a grandpa who had passed away just because I just wanted to feel secure and supported because in my mind, it's like I had lost my eternal salvation and and I'd like let my family down. And my I was actually like the religious figure in my family because my my dad was out of the picture from when I was he 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 was gone when I was very young and my stepdad wasn't like it quote unquote worthy by our church standards because he smoked and you know had a porn addiction and things like that and okay. so I was like this like righteous young man that like my family leaned on and all of a sudden my whole identity has just gone to shit because and I and I felt just so unworthy at that mm-hmm. but but also like I remember the first time that I spent the night with the boy, like, I mean, we just literally just cuddled and slept, that's it. And I remember waking up the next morning and I was walking through campus and I felt like my whole soul had just been let out of a cage that Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was in. And I was like, what is this? And so I have this like duality of feeling so liberated and so happy about being able to give myself permission to just live my truth, but also feeling so confused because I was absolutely certain before about what my truth was. And it turns out that I have this soul capacity for something so far beyond that. It was, it was a lot to work through. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine like that's, that's sounds and for such a young adult, Mm -hmm. right? 20 some, uh, that's a lot to handle. So then, um, so then fast forward and you're in a, you're married for 11 years, you said? 12, yeah, 12 plus. Okay, 12 plus years. And at what point in your relationship you were like, I want to experience people outside of our relationship? <laughs> I know, I know. Was it you? Was it him? How did it all work out? What was the conversation? And and you guys, like, before we go into this, like, it's uh, this is a very fun conversation for me, but I want to frame it for everyone that... Uh, it's actually a lot deeper than just, okay, I'm going to go outside of the relationship and have fun wherever I want. I think you touch on, and this is what's really attractive to me, to to you, or magnetizes you to me, is um, you touch on this this love and this expansion for love and how we are pure love and how we can express love. And love is something different than what we say it is and what we see in the movies. So we're going to dive into that, but this is part of this because you, you got to expand love in this new experience or, you know, not probably an ex- established experience, but yes. tell me how the conversation went down. Like, what was the, <laughs> like, oh, you know, we've been in this relationship for X number of years and now all of a sudden I would like to experience more. How does that go? So, so it started with, I mean, you go through phases and, and just, just so everyone's clear, I don't have an agenda here to convince anybody to be. Yeah non-monogamous or polyamorous or anything or open or anything like that. I think that I I think that you get to figure out what's right for you and where you're feeling called. Um and, but but I will tell you what my story was. So so we get married really young because that's what everybody in around us was doing in, in our church. My my husband, he's from the same church. And and we're not religious like that anymore. Um but it started because I had to move to Hawaii for work. And he was stateside to finish a semester of school. And I was like, I'm thousands of miles away for a while before you move to Hawaii with me. And I was like, why? I would love for your sexual needs to be met still. And so it was my idea. I was like, why don't you like, you know, we have this friend that was kind of into my husband. I like, had a little crush and I was like, why don't you like explore a little bit? And he was 
surprised because because neither of us i mean back then we got married when there were only five locations in the u.s where a same-sex couple could get married one of them was dc which is where he's from and so we got married in dc but like that's how new this whole thing was so so there so there wasn't instagram with a thousand accounts of beautiful you know non-traditional families gay right. couples with kids gay couples who are just gay couples like thruples like there, like there weren't books about polyamory there weren't podcasts yeah. about how to have a creative relationship dynamic or sexual dynamic like so we kind of had to like invent our own versions of everything so we explored like we started exploring because i was really far away and then um one year for christmas my mother gave us a cd set of Deepak Chopra's meditation series, the Creating Abundance series. And <laughs> you created you created abundance. <laughs> we created abundance, but but how it how it affected our our love and sex life is so we we start meditating and, I, and I'm so excited. I'm like, ooh, creating abundance. We need more money. You know, we're like 25 and poor. Yeah. And so so I'm meditating with the agenda of how do I create lots of money. And I remember one day I'm laying on the floor and we lived in this beautiful beach house in Ko'olina in Hawaii on, on, on Oahu, like the, the resort community where like the Disney Aulani resort is our beach house is like right across the street from Disney. And, and so it was this beautiful space with like, you know, the most gorgeous gardens outside our windows. And I remember I'm laying on the ground in our living room, listening to this meditation and feeling that Hawaiian breeze on me. And it was just so picture perfect. And I dived so deep in this meditation and discovered this universe within me. And it's like I could access God force. I could access love. I could access the sensation of potentiality that I didn't even know existed. Because to me, in my old paradigm, it was I'm this sinful human being. God's really far away. And I'm like on this, you know, many step journey to go back to God. And there's like one direction. And if I end up at God, then I lived correctly and I and I get to have love in the way that it's supposed to be. And so I'm in this meditation and instead of having like this linear path in front of me, it's like everything exists simultaneously. And I was like blown away by it. And so we start studying Wayne Dyer and figuring out what the ego mind is and and like all these false identities that we tie ourselves to with, you know, like you've talked about a few of them today. And we start breaking down our spiritual paradigm and we had already started breaking down our like relationship paradigm because we were a same sex couple and our family's like, why didn't you marry a girl? Right. And so it was like this natural progression. Like we, if we're breaking down our, our relationship structure paradigms, why not break down our, how you express yourself sexually paradigms too? Like, and we were breaking down our paradigms about God and about what our spirits and our souls are and love in general. And so we totally took it in phases and it was not perfect at all. <laughs> Lots of messy bumps in the road. Um, but we started experiencing things sexually outside of our relationship. And after a couple of years, we're like, well, what about feelings? Like, is that off the table? Like, what if you have emotions, an emotional connection with someone? And at that point, I think both of our answer, I, I won't speak for my husband, but for me, the answer was, well, if love is infinite, and if the boxes that we put love in are boxes that we made ourselves, why would we make a box? Mm -hmm. And so we said, well, maybe we'll explore anything that's possible, anything that we feel drawn to. And that's really how we got on this road of 
polyamory? So is the idea um, that because there's infinite love, right? Wouldn't it make sense that because there is infinite love and you're an expression of love that you um, and also that your part, you and your partner are giving each other the freedom to express love in any such way that is possible. Like ultimately you could fall in love with somebody else and then decide to leave the relationship and decide to move away or whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. Does that somehow in some kind of way bring you closer to your partner that you've built foundation with? Well, this is a great question. The way that you described it, I would say yes, but that's not how I experienced it. Okay. That, that's actually how I experience it now, but that's like a recent development this year okay. where it's like when, when you're actually coming from just predominantly love, then for me now it's like, well, I love my partner enough to honor ways that he wants to experience life and experience connection and experience people. There's so much, I mean, I understand things about love because of my experience that I know that most people on the planet don't understand just because I've experienced things that most people won't let themselves experience. That doesn't mean I think everyone should experience what I have experienced. They might not be called to that. Um, but, but I, so there's a most important lesson that I learned that came at great cost over the past decade of being in this kind of relationship. When my husband and I got married, we both brought wounds to our relationship that we weren't conscious of. In his family, he came, uh, the simplest way to describe it is he came from a very avoidant family dynamic. You don't talk about, you know, you you don't have boundaries. Like it's, uh, they didn't they didn't know how to establish boundaries and how to hold boundaries and be responsible for, and, and I'm generalizing of course, but so my husband brought this freedom wound because, because he felt like he had to mold himself to fit the person in front of him. And I came from a very codependent family background where it's like, I mean, my dad left early on in life. I was two and a half. I remember it very well. And, and I developed this worthiness wound where I just felt like I was never enough. I'm not worthy. And then, you know, I mentioned when I left my church, I was like even less worthy. And so we, you had two humans together, one that wasn't free and one that wasn't enough. So I would look to my husband to make me feel enough. Yeah. And I needed him to talk to me certain ways and to touch me certain ways and to want me certain ways. And if I needed him in those ways, now he's not free because he has to show up for me the ways that I need him to show up. So then he resists me and puts up walls. So then I'm getting even less love. So I needed even more. And it turns into this like perfect codependent cycle. And when, so, so our, our love and sex life was very much, um, it was a, very bittersweet experience because for us, the emotional vulnerability and the connection like really suffered. And I remember so many beautiful moments, but I remember so many like moments where just like I would get so angry because I felt so unloved and he would get so defensive because he was being, because I was demanding him to be the source of love for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just poor guy, right? <laughs> but also poor me, I needed love. <laughs> Yes. And that, that's the bitter part. The sweet part was that we still honored each other's freedom to express and explore. And so, like, I mean, I've had so many connections that have really been meaningful to me. And when I look back at what I do it differently, I wouldn't not do the polyamorous or the open thing, but I would show up as a different version of me if I had the ability to repeat it. Because mm -hmm. 
what I know now is that when I show up in my own worth and my own sense of belonging in the sense that I matter deeply, then I don't need anything from the people around me. But the paradox is that I'm still free to choose. And, and I still get to honor my partner's freedom to choose. And whether you're open or closed or monogamous or polyamorous, that is like one of the most sacred gifts you could ever bring to a partnership. That is so good. So I am going to reframe what you said and, and okay. it's not the exact thing of what you said, but it's, it's how I've personally experienced it in a monogamous partnership. I really resonated with what you said about like the showing up as not worthy and and or showing up as not enough showing up as you know uh, avoidant or protective or whatever different ways that we show up in our relationship so one thing that uh one process that i personally went through and then later i ended up teaching it to my community and elevate club was i made a list of all the things <laughs> So we're getting a little personal. I love words we're already of personal. Already personal. So words of affirmations are my thing. Like you don't, I mean, like hopefully my partner's not listening. Yes, buy me the things and do all the things and you know, spending time. But words of affirmation just hit differently. Okay. They go a long way for you. Yeah. A long way for me. Yeah. Probably because I didn't get enough. So um I and, and he knows that my partner knows that, but it's such an interesting thing that I am learning is uh, one time I, I sat with myself, he knows that he gives it to me and he's great and all the things, but it's somehow it's like, it's like, it cannot satisfy the thirst, you know? Yeah. And so I had to break that down for myself. It was like, I'm constantly like seeking words of affirmation from my partner and probably do it in my job too. And then at the same time, it's like nothing will satisfy me. Like someone could call me up and say, you changed my life, you saved my life. Multiple people have said that to me, but it's just not satisfying enough. It's like you keep drinking water and you're still very thirsty. The more water you drink, the more thirsty you are. It's a bad example, but that's kind of what it feels like. So I started to break it down for myself and I go, why is it that uh, like the things that I would like to experience in this relationship. And I made the list of them. Like, I'd like more of this. I like more of that <laughs> poor guy he gets a list of like all the things and he gives them to me and I'm super grateful for him. But then but you I gave him a, a, you gave him an actual list, like on paper. No, I didn't. <laughs> but you know, here and there, you nod, you go, Oh, like you do positive. Reinforcement. Like, did he like, did he like the list? Was he intimidated I, by the I list? Didn't give him I didn't give him a list. I just would give him positive reinforcement. Like he would like give me words of affirmation. I'd be like, oh my God, I love how that made me feel. Or I love, you know, whatever. I don't know, my own ways. And so um, anyways, I started to realize the things that I wanted him to fulfill had nothing to do with him. Like it had to do with the things that were lacking in me. So it's almost like the more he gave them to me, the more I craved them and the more I had, somehow I had less of it. I know it sounds counterintuitive. So I made a list of the things I, ne I needed in any relationship or what I, would, what I was craving. And I go, in what ways can I give this to myself? In what ways can I break this down and give this to myself? So uh, let's say if I said to you, Andrew, in our relationship, I would like to get deeper, right? I'd like to have a deeper connection. I'd like to feel like our connection is, is a lot deeper than it is right now. And if that was what I was craving in my relationship with you, I go one layer deep and I go, wait a second, 
how am I not giving deep connection to myself? Perhaps I'm avoiding my own feelings because, you know, I'm, I'm spiritually bypassing all the negative things that are happening in my life, whatever the case might be. Perhaps if I said, Andrew, I'd like to have present time consciousness, you don't give me enough attention or whatever. Then I could look back at myself and I go, what is it that I'm not giving? I'm not sitting with myself every moment I have. Maybe I'm like scrolling through Instagram or working or answering an email. So in what ways can I fill my own cup in exactly the things that I'm seeking in a relationship? And so the relationship that you would have, whether it's with multiple partners or with one partner, it doesn't matter. It's wildly different when you show up and you go, I've already given myself everything. Now I'm actually in a space of receivership. Now I receive what my partner is giving me truly for what it is. I'm, I'm not seeking it. I'm not looking for it. And I'm not thirsty for it. Well, the, the relationship is only and always a reflection of us. And so pe pe people think what you just said, it's knowing what I know now, it's not counterintuitive at all. Because if I don't bring my own worth, if I don't bring my own sense of I'm enough, if I don't bring my own, whatever is sacredly, divinely true about us, which for me is that we're worthy, we're deserving, we belong, we matter, and we're free. And to me, that's all the frequency of love. And and if we don't allow ourselves to align with that internally, and then we seek that from another person, they can give it to us for a little while. And at first it's so satisfying. It's like, oh, fine. Like it's like the breath of fresh air you needed in the room that was void of oxygen, but it's not the source of love. And they're their own source of love. You're your own source of love. And so over time, it becomes corrosive to the relationship, whether it's one or multiple partners, it doesn't matter. And and you eventually come to a point where it's unsustainable. And that, that actually happened with us. Um, so this year, this is where I'm gonna get super vulnerable. So this has been the biggest year of shift in my life by a long shot. We, um, we gave ourselves a lot of space at the beginning of the year. We started working with a relationship coach because we had these like age old codependent patterns that were just, they were so deeply embedded in a thousand aspects of our relationship. And and I mean, we had a very beautiful life too. Like when people look at my social media, like you live this dream life and it, we have lived this beautiful life, but the emotional undercurrent of it had so much turbulence with it. And so we gave ourselves, well, actually I should say what happened beneath the action. I had spent a lot of time practicing finding alignment with my own truth. It yeah. I had some realizations where I realized that if I'm like I told you on that Instagram live, if if I'm being invalidated, if I'm being unappreciated, if I'm being undervalued, that's mm -hmm. because I'm being that not because he's making me that way or making me feel that way. Like whenever people say you're making me feel false, you're yeah. the only one feeling how you're feeling. You're the only one being how you're being. So I had spent a bunch of time practicing how do I bring my own sense of worthiness? How do I find love within me? And not just by like you using a cerebral practice, like standing in front of the mirror saying, I love you, you know, or, or writing it down. Like how do I actually access the truth yes. of love within me? And the more that I did that and the more that he did that, the more we realized we needed to give our relationship space, like room to breathe, let old wounds heal, let the negative momentum die down. So we were actually in a throuple for a couple of years. Our third partner, he lived in our house with us. It was so beautiful at the beginning, but then these unhealed wounds came to the surface and, and created a lot of turbulence. And this year we've, we sold our house, 
we were, you know, we moved into a new house together, just the two, just me and my husband. Um, I actually met a new guy that I'm seeing pretty seriously. who's close to you. So I'm oh. by in your area all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's going great. And the truth is that I actually don't know where my marriage is going to end up. And, and it's been one of the most violently emotional things to deal with internally because I mean, I've bought into so many common beliefs about marriage. Like I value longevity um, and I, I value being 80 years old with the same person where we've got all our family traditions that we've had ever since I value, you know, like what about our wedding vows? Didn't we mean those? And so there's all these things that I've had to like unravel and untangle and ultimately where I've landed. And this is what I'd to leave with our audience here is that I've, I, I believe that love is like an energy amoeba. I mean, it has so many shapes that it can take and none of them are the wrong shape. And, and when it becomes one shape, that doesn't mean it's supposed to stay that way. It's always meant to evolve and unfold into more. And, and, and I don't think it matters what structure of a relationship you're in. Like it's the same if you're in a monogamous relationship, it's never meant to be, you don't, you don't lock it in to place. You don't figure it out and get your routine down. And you're like, now we're in love. Now we're married. Now we've got it set in stone. It's, it's always going to be unfolding into something. And if you can allow it, mm-hmm. then you don't lose your connection to it, mm-hmm. which means you don't lose yourself in the process of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's big. Mm-hmm. That's really big. A, a very expensive lesson. <laughs> well, you know, expensive lesson, but also would you have gotten to this place where you're this connected to yourself and your divine purpose if you hadn't gone through that? And would it be worth it? I mean, the human part of my mind has said so many times, like, you know, I wish I could have undone that or done that differently. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't pass through all of that life that I've lived because who I've become because of it. I mean, it is my most valued possession, me like that. And the way that I live my love codes that I hold, it's like I have so much to give because I allow myself to be so much of what I really am. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think two things about that. One, even though we started the conversation and like, okay, stepping outside the constructs of what society says and what the matrix says, if you really think about it, um, even the ideas of, and and again, I don't want to give the audience a certain kind of idea about like what we believe or we're forcing anything in terms of belief systems, but um, some some of the ways that we keep ourselves stuck in a relationship that's not working or in a situation or a job that's not working has to do with the construct of the patterns of society, the p- patterns of the matrix. But if you zoom out, like way out, like way, way, way out, and you look at two people or three people, five people, however, if you look at these two people in a relationship, but don't look at them as people in a relationship or in a marriage and how things are supposed to be, but t- take a look at each individual and go, this is one human with a certain path, with certain desires, with certain you know trauma, with certain, and this is another human that's happening. And if you took all the, the framework and the patterns of, of society, if you took all of that out and you just saw human, a physical experience with a spirit inside of it, 
then we wouldn't have so much suffering of like, I'm going against marriage and I'm going against, uh, you know, longevity and marriage and things like that. And I think something beautiful can come about. I got divorced and uh, a lot of work, a lot of work, but my post-divorce life and my relationship with my uh, ex-husband is so much, he would tell you the same thing, so much more beautiful than the marriage that we had for 10 years. And uh, I believe that anytime you do something that is for your highest good, if you've done your, if you've done the work, you're not just making like random decisions, which I know you're not, but if you make, if you've done, uh, if you do something for your highest good, it will always work out for the best of everybody that's involved in that relationship. The, the only thing that you can actually bring to a relationship that's the truest gift is your whole self. Right. And uh, and so anytime you're saying if you would treat me a certain way or I need this person to do this or I need this kind of like, I mean, it's it's not true. But, but that, but that's the paradox of a relationship. It's that when you're whole with yourself, you don't need the relationship, but then the relationship shows up because it reflects you. And then it's just a gift. And I think that's what we want our relationships to be. Not something that fills a void, not something that we're, where we meet each other's demands or, ob, or we, we feel obligated or like there's like a sense of responsibility to be a good spouse or a good partner. It's like if I show up as the love that I actually am, then I invite you to show up in that same way and I hold space for your journey and where we align with each other, we didn't need it, but it shows up and it's the most beautiful gift. Like what more could you ask for beyond that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. So as we wrap up, I want to know what you would tell people that want to experience like love. Like maybe they're in a crappy relationship. Maybe they're in a mediocre relationship. They want to make it work. Maybe they're in no relationship all the spectrum, but like, what would be your go-to uh, practical thing that they could, you know, they could do to tap into love? Sure. I, I would say one, let go of the flawed premise that you have to like, you know, people say, well, you can't find love till you love yourself. That's not true because that's saying you have to be perfectly whole with yourself before you can find a perfectly whole partner and then have a perfectly whole marriage. That's not the point because you grow together. But, but if love has been a struggle, I would say the first thing you can do is get your focus off of your external situations and go within and start meditating, start and, and, and stop thinking about the external circumstances, because if they're not reflecting love back to you the way that you want, and that's where you focus, you're just going to, that's where you're calibrating your vibe. That's you're going to call in more of the same. So go within and, it, and sometimes it takes some real introspection and deep commitment to find yourself. But And you don't have to find yourself all the way because you never will because you're an eternal expanding being. But if you can start finding the threads of divine love within you and nurture your connection to that and realize how accessible that is at all times and truly how that's what you actually are in your essence, in your at your fundament, then you go into the world and you you have something to give and the world starts reflecting things back to you in new ways. Don't expect it to be what you experienced before because that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for new, fresh expressions of love and you got to give that to you as your own gift to you. Yes, I love that. What a beautiful message to sort of wrap this up with. Now, I know you um, help people sort of create this magnificent life. A masterpiece life masterpiece thank you i was looking for that word a masterpiece life and tapping into this masterpiece frequency so tell people about that 
and where they can get more information. Uh, and, and I would just preframe this the rest of this conversation by at the very minimum, go follow Andrew. And uh, and I love watching your things and learning from you too. So yeah, tell everybody about where they can find you and what you got going on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my business is called In Conscious, like you're in consciousness. So you can find me on social media, in.conscious is my handle on all the platforms. And uh, and we the point of unconscious is to expand your consciousness, to tap into that frequency of masterpiece energy. And that's what you create your life from. So, I mean, whether it's money or career, business, love, it's all the pieces that matter to you. Um, so the, 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 if people want to dive into like what my messaging is, social media is the best place to see what it's all about. And then we, we always have a free masterclass or workshop that's available. So you can find the link in my bio or, uh, or we can post one in the show notes and, um, and that's a great exposure into my world. The, the whole point of it is that for me, I, I realize I'm not interested in living anything short of a masterpiece. It's just not for me. Like I wasn't satisfied with mediocre, mediocre, anything growing up. And as an adult where I realize how much choice I have and that I get to choose my mindset and my state of being and my energy and how I go about creating my world, like I want it to be a masterpiece. So why don't I get into the energy of masterpiece creation? Totally. So if you're if you're jazzed up about creating a life, changing your life, shifting your life, creating a masterpiece life, then Andrew is the place to go. I have just absolutely loved hanging out with you. And Same. yeah, I didn't even feel like I was interviewing you. I was like, I felt like I was at coffee chit chatting, like about life, what was going on. I know that's how I feel all of our conversations are. I really value it. Yeah, me too. So, hey, everyone, uh, I put the link in the show notes. So wherever you are watching or listening to this, you can uh, tap on the link and uh, check out uh, his website. Uh, also, again, social media. You can always DM me. I don't know if you answer your own DMs, but if you DM me, you go, hey, I watched that session on, on that episode on, um, you know, poly marriages. And I'm you told us about your crazy life. <laughs> Yeah, you told us about you told us about you make a little boyfriend. Anyways, uh, yeah, message me and I will uh, send you the links. If you can't find them for whatever reason, connect you with Andrea to get more help. But thank you so much for um, giving me your time, and uh, I hope everybody um, took. I know everybody got value from today's conversation, one way or another. And uh, tune in for the next uh, episode of Secret Lives of Expanders, everyone. Thank, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona. Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.